You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back into Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Chris Mack with you and the Pens get ready for another trip to Detroit. Saturday afternoon, it's a one o'clock faceoff on ABC. Last time the Pens were in Detroit, did not go well. Uh, you may remember David Perron, hat trick, Casey DeSmith, meltdown. Uh, another one of those games that the Pens should have won and had they won, they wouldn't be chasing Florida for the final spot in the Eastern Conference playoff race right now, but they are and so they need this one even more. Max Boltman, Red Wings beat writer for The Athletic, joins me to talk about it. Uh, Max, thanks for making the time today while you're traveling. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. It was it was worth it just to hear you do parlez-vous in the Pittsburgh accent. Parlez-vous per manis, exactly. <laughs> um, I uh, I don't know what to make. Let's Let's start with the perspective from the Red Wings. It's now... 10 years and counting, they will have gone without a playoff series victory. Last time they got one, Mike Babcock was the head coach. We're talking Datsuk, Zetterberg, Franzen, and Cronwall were top four on this team in scoring that year. Um, How long and winding and meandering a path has it been? And are they any closer to emerging from the wilderness than they were, say, four or five years ago when they really bottomed out? Closer for sure. The, the question is, how close is that, right? Because they were really, right. really far away. And uh, in, in some ways, whenever I talk, you know, Red Wings with, with someone from Pittsburgh or someone who covers the Penguins, I kind of feel like I'm talking to them from their future because I... Yes. I You're a time I, traveler. You guys are in for this uh, out there, but uh, that, that's all the more reason to enjoy. I know at the end of the, the Red Wings streak, fans were so eager to, to get the rebuild moving that... Uh, you know, they're almost like, stop, stop making the playoffs. No, enjoy these things because you're, you're going to miss them. Um, th- they are closer, though. I, I think, you know, especially when you, you look at the young guys who have come in, Cider, Raymond, those are the obvious ones this year. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh obviously saw Simon Edvinson a couple weeks ago, see him, see him again tomorrow. Uh, and, and he's a, a young player they're going to build around. Jonathan Bergeron's come up. Marco Casper got his debut and promptly got hurt. Carter Mazur in the AHL is a is a real bright spot for them. So they're they're moving along. They're coming. I don't know if it's going to be next year. You look at the teams like Buffalo and Ottawa that are in the same spot, but maybe a little ahead. I, I saw Buffalo last night, and they they look like they're going to be a wagon soon. So yeah. uh, the East is unforgiving. Penguins fans know that really well. Uh, closer, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say close though. What's the feeling uh, when you know you, you see Dylan Larkin get extended, right? But then you see Bertuzzi dealt at the deadline. Um, is there a realization that hey, we've got to understand which guys are going to be pieces of the next good Red Wings team and which ones aren't? It reminds me a lot of, from a Pittsburgh perspective, anyway, 
the Pirates and, and the situation there. And now where they're trying to identify, okay, which guys are actually going to be a part of this team the next time it's competitive in two or three years? And which guys do we have to be willing to perhaps jettison to bolster the system? Yeah, stuff like the trade deadline, it, it, it speaks louder than anything any GM could ever say, right? It tells you when they think they're going to be good. And, and trading Tyler Bertuzzi tells you two things. Number one, that they didn't feel like they were going to be close enough on a deal. Uh, and, and number two, that they think their window is longer out than the next, you know, two or three years that Tyler Bertuzzi has left in his prime. Um, I, I think that's always very instructive. It, it was a roller coaster. You look at Dylan Larkin, who's not too much younger than Tyler Bertuzzi, year and a half. Um, but I think it's the center factor, how hard it is to replace centers. Mm-hmm. And that, that week was a, a emotional roller coaster, the whole thing, because they, they were in a playoff spot at one point. They go and they get smacked around in Ottawa, out of the playoffs. Boom, two big pieces traded with Bertuzzi and, and Heronic, which was the more surprising one. Um, and then all of a sudden they go into this spiral, I think, as the locker room realizes what management has has realized. Right. So um, it, it was it's it's been a complicated season, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. They come out of it. Uh, improved for sure, but not that much different in the standings than where they're at. I think right now they're 12th from the bottom, but they're within a yeah. few points. So, you know, eight to 12 range is pretty, pretty tight right now. Yeah. And it, it looks like they're going to be somewhere in that middle, um, somewhere between 10 and 16, I guess, in draft order. And then they'll have the Islanders first round pick as well. They've got three second round picks. So there's lots of draft capital there with which to work, but um, less than 5% chance. I think if I do the quick math, um, of somehow ending up in Connor Bedard territory, not likely at this point, but um, will they be happy in the middle? Um, or is there an aggressive maneuver that Steve Eiserman can make to get them into the top 10? I, I saw your recent mailbag at The Athletic, and it doesn't sound like, you make a good point, you just don't traditionally see that in the NHL draft. Teams uh, trade up from 14, 15, 16 into that top 10 territory, um, it, would they rather do that with this, you know, five picks in the top two rounds that they have aggressively try to move up? Or if you're not getting Bedard, is it not worth it? If you're not top five, is it not worth it? And would they rather sit back and go for, I guess, I don't want to say quantity over quality, but is, is that perhaps the theory going into this draft? Yeah, I, I think the you're, you're right. It's, it just doesn't happen in the NHL. The last time I think there was a, a trade up within the top 10, I think it was 15 years ago and it was like five for seven and a couple other things. And, and, and that's not the kind of trade we're talking about here. We're talking about right. probably 10, 11, 12 to try to get up. And, and it, honestly, yeah, five, it's probably worth it. But, you know, once you, once you talk about seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, I don't think the gaps there are huge in this class. I think what will be more valuable if they want to do a trade is to move up from the Islander pick, try to get two in the top 14. Now, the Islanders missed the playoffs. You could kind of have that organically. Um, but I, I like their odds at this point. So we'll see. But I, I think if you're talking trade up, that's the one. It's try to get two picks in the top 14 because no one's moving off of Bedard. No one's moving off of Fantilli or Carlson. Um, and, and and I don't think really they're going to move off of Will Smith, David Reinbacher. Mavi Michkov's the wild card. But um, that that's kind of how I see it. One more thing I wanted to ask you about uh, this this current rebuild for the Red Wings, because it's also something that I think is oddly um, analogous to what the Penguins are going through, is the situation in goal. And Alex Nedeljkovich, I think I'm saying that right. I don't know. It's a whole lot of consonants and not enough vowels for me. Um, <laughs> Alex Nedeljkovich uh, seems to be the guy in goal. Billy Huso is also also there. Both guys that should have developed, you would think, into starters if they were going to develop into impact NHL starters 
by this age, 27, 28, 29 years old. Um, Did they plan on moving forward with these guys? Because again, the Penguins are in a very similar situation with Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith, where the best option might be neither of those guys and looking for someone external this offseason. Although, again, the free agent market this offseason is not exactly red hot either. No, nor has it been for for a few of the last few years. I think it tells you something about in the NHL when teams have a goalie that they like or have a goalie that other teams like, they find a way to either keep them or trade them before mm-hmm. letting them go for nothing. That's how, how valuable they are. Huso, to me, is the guy. He, he's the guy they've ridden the whole year. Um, he's gonna. I don't know what his final start count is going to be, but it's, it's going to be the kind of like leaned on starter workload. Nadalkovich is actually sent down to the AHL for a long stretch this year, even though coming in, it seemed like that was a true 50-50 split. He was the guy last year. Uh, so clearly, you know, they, they had some confidence shaken there. Who's um, the guy I think they're going to build around and, and, you know, whether or not you believe in him is kind of, it, it's a little bit of a Rorschach test. There have been stretches and games where Vili Huso has looked like he can be a 50 start kind of goalie in the NHL, maybe even a little more. But as the workload has gotten up, you know, I don't know what his exact save percentage is as of this morning, but it's below 900 now. And mm. that's not what you think of as, as, a, as a bona fide number one in the NHL. It, you know, some teams would say that's not even necessarily a bona fide like 1B. Um, I think that's a product of a little bit of injury, a little bit of overwork, and then just kind of what the team as a whole has gone through. I, but I, I think, you know, that it's fair to say that there's still a little bit of um, checking to be done on, on Vili Huso to make sure he's what they think he is. So uh, he, he's the guy that they're going to go forward with. He's the guy that's under contract for next year. But it, I wouldn't say it's it's a problem solved by any means. Is Nadelkovich, what, what is he? Because, again, to bring it back to, to a Penguin-centric question, there are going to be people who are sifting through the names of UFA goaltenders-to-be, and Nadelkovich is, is one of those. Um, you, you just outlined why he's probably not the the a number one guy for the Red Wings moving forward. So I, I would imagine most Penguin fans wouldn't go, Oh yeah, that's the guy we want uh, to replace Jari and or DeSmith. But is he the kind of guy that let's say the, the Penguins decide to move on from Jari and DeSmith and find a starter somewhere else, but they're looking for uh, an affordable backup is, is Nadelkovich that kind of one B two a kind of guy who you can count on to give you 25 starts a year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so what's interesting when you say that, he kind of does remind me of a little bit what the Penguins have cycled between over the last five, six years and that he can get really hot. He can steal you a series, two series, and he can look all world for stretches. He, I have watched him play outstanding hockey for stretches as long as like a couple months. He also goes through these real lows and it seems like, oh boy, like I don't know how he's going to get out of this one. When the highs are there, he, he looks like a stud. And that's what he was for Carolina's rookie year in that COVID year. That's why the Red Wings brought him in. And he was that most of the first half of last season too and then he hit the lows and the lows continued into this year they sent him to the ahl since he's been back we're seeing really good alex nadelkovich again and i think it's good timing for him because i think it will get him a shot somewhere else probably not as a going in as a starter but in that kind of two-way role 25 30 starts or whatever and he may be really good there but i i do think rhythm is 
rhythm helps for guys like that who can be streaky. And that's not typically what you get as a backup. That would be my main question with him. But he, he's in, immensely talented. It's just a matter of that the highs are high and the lows can be low. From a guy with a whole lot of consonants to at least one guy who's got a whole lot of vowels and, and even more umlauts, Oli Mata <laughs> has actually developed into what I think we thought he was going to develop into here in Pittsburgh. Um, he can be a top pairing guy if you need him to. He can be a steadying Im- uh, force or impact for a younger partner on a depth pairing. Um, and I'll be honest, the the late career renaissance for David Perron is, I think, unexpected for a lot of Penguins fans. Um, maybe that's just because we, you know, we're, we're a little bit more surprised by what he did to the Penguins in particular a couple weeks ago. But um, what have those former Penguins, in particular Mata, I think we're more interested in, what have they provided because of his Stanley Cup experience? What have they provided to this team that is very young and inexperienced in some spots. And even in its more experienced spots, again, I bring up the Larkins and the cops of the world. Um, not very deep on postseason experience necessarily. Yes, exactly. And I think that's a big part of it. He, he's a sta- stabilizing force. I mean, he, he, he's kind of been a four or five for them throughout the course of the year. He, he's either the kind of the number two guy on the second pair or the, or the kind of the driver of the third pair, but either way, he's, he's bringing you exactly what you want to see from a steady veteran puck mover, uh, he makes the right decision. He's pretty predictable to his teammates. Things just, you, you feel probably a little more confident when he's on the ice. And I think that does come from having played in those kind of moments that uh, that he played in in Pittsburgh and then even a little bit um, in Los Angeles in the playoffs last year. Uh, so he, he's been huge. And I, I think uh, that's why they extended him. They, they like him in that role. Uh, they've got a lot of young D that they're going to be working in in the coming years. And I think he's a really good guy for those young players to be around. Uh, and then Perron, yeah, he's just kind of reinvented himself and, and he's he keeps finding a way to be, you know, just really tough to play against. He he's, hangs onto the puck about as well as anybody in the NHL, and that's how he does it. It's kind of that proverbial old man strength that he's got going for him there, um, and, and it, it's worked really well for him in Detroit. Before I let you run, Max, um, give me the the view from three, 400 miles west of western Pennsylvania. Um, what do you, as someone who's watched the league all year, think of this team? Um, will the Pens get in? Uh, if so, how far can they go, if anywhere? And if they don't get in, uh, what's the view uh, from around the league and from Detroit in particular, a place where you mentioned because of their postseason battles 15 years ago where perhaps there's a different perspective on what the penguins are going through if they don't make it what then yeah it's a great question i i will say i picked the penguins to win the stanley cup before this season and i saw the the power vacuum in the east and thought Mm -hmm. some team with veterans is going to fill it i think it's going to be the penguins i was i whiffed on that i i think i was like basically picturing not quite the degree to which Boston's done it, but that kind of thing, right? When there's a vacuum, you, you, you go to the guys who have been there, who you trust. I thought that right. be said and Malkin and said it was Bergeron and company, right? Um, I've been surprised by how it's gone. A lot of that I think comes, comes to Jari. Um, I, I expected him to be one of the 10 best goalies in the league. And it, obviously it hasn't worked out that way this year, but I do think, and, and I'm, I'm colored by reading my colleagues, Josh Yowie and Rob Rossi, but I do think when you go and you look in hindsight at the way that Hextall has chosen to kind of complement these stars, it does not make a lot of sense from, from afar. And so uh, that is what I kind of see. I still think they get in, but I don't, I, you know, like I said, I, I was way too high on them coming in and I don't know how much of that is me just trying to, hope I'm not worlds wrong and they don't even get into the playoffs here. So I still think they get in. I like their path better than I like Florida's. 
Um, even though I think I like Florida's probably uh, roster a little better at this point, but I, I like the Penguins' path more. And when they get in, you never know. I, I don't think I like them against the Bruins, but hey, maybe they can get in and, and be that uh, first wild card. I think they would have a chance against Carolina. They, they certainly would have the star power edge, and Carolina doesn't have too much more certainty in goal than they do. If they get in, I think they can win around there, and, and, and then you'll see what happens. So um, I, I think the long term, obviously, everyone knows they're in for some tough years when when Sid and when, when Gino hang it up, uh, hang them up. And, and that's just inevitable. Right. But uh, like I was saying at the top, enjoy these playoff runs while, while you have them. Cause they, you know, they're still a whole lot better than the alternative. Well, yeah. If you think, you think if you ask the average Red Wings fan, Hey, you could have traded Dotsuk and Zetterberg before they fully fell off their prime and gotten something in return, but you would have, you, you wouldn't have those, those visions of those guys stuck in your mind as lifelong Red Wings, right? Or you could have let them go out kind of limping as they did. um, And you'll constantly have those memories of them as lifelong Red Wings, but it's going to make the rebuild more arduous and a longer process. How do you think Red Wings fans would answer that question? Based on my Twitter mentions, I think they would prefer the the trade option, right? But mm. I I question. I I think it's a grass is greener thing. I think it's yeah. while you're going through it, it's tough. And in 30 years, you're gonna be glad that that Henrik Zetterberg was a lifelong Red Wing. They actually did trade Datsuk, but it yeah. was really just his contract cap dump. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they traded away the pick that was Jacob Chikrin in that trade. So uh, that one in particular is an oops. <laughs> uh, but my feeling is in 30 years, you're gonna be glad that those guys are. And 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 I cannot picture Sidney Crosby. In any yeah. other uniform. It's weird enough seeing Patrick Kane. I, I can't do it with Crosby. <laughs> Max Boltman of The Athletic. He covers the Detroit Red Wings. Does so very well. And he'll be covering Penn's Wings Saturday afternoon at Little Caesars Arena as well. Thanks for the time today, man. I really do appreciate you carving out a few minutes. Appreciate you, Chris. Anytime. Max actually was uh, has some experience. Spent some time at the uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. So that explains his... Uh, outsized enjoyment of my uh, usage of Yinzer French earlier. Parlez-vous, Yinz from North Versailles is for sales, dummy. Anyway, uh, thanks to Max again for joining us uh, and giving us, again, like a glimpse into the future, right? It's like if you could get in Marty McFly's, I guess technically it's Doc Brown's DeLorean, right? I always call it Marty McFly's DeLorean, but I'm totally wrong there. It's not his car. It's Doc Brown's. If you could get in Doc Brown's DeLorean and travel into the future to see what the rebuild is going to look like after Crosby, Malkin, and Latang finally hang him up, it's probably the Detroit Red Wings right now, right? Um, which is a little disconcerting because you know how tough it's been for them over the last couple of years. But that's who the Pens play on Saturday afternoon. A Red Wings team that is 5-6-1 and one in their last 12, but averaging better than four goals per game in those 12 games. So can the Pens slow them down? Can they get a 60-minute effort unlike what they got last time when Casey DeSmith played pretty well for 40 minutes and the team as a whole played fairly well for 40 minutes and then they fell apart. David Perron, three goals, Casey DeSmith melting down, Little Caesars Arena, pizza, pizza. Yeah, go back. It was a whole episode of me basically imploding on myself because of that game. Um, But Detroit, Detroit, as some of the Canadian guys like to say, um, I can't even replicate how, how they say Detroit, D- Detroit, Detroit. I can't do it anyway. And then Chicago, 
uh, for the fan appreciation night, final home game of the year on Tuesday. The Blackhawks are bad. Like, real, like tied for Columbus for the league low in the standings, 56 points bad, but like lost nine of their last 10 and 16 of their last 20. Bad. So that's one that you absolutely have to have. And then the final game of the year out in Columbus, Penguins will visit the Blue Jackets on Thursday, the 13th. That one, Columbus is has got the worst record in the league. So don't get me wrong. They're not good. They're not even slightly, well, not slightly improving. They've lost seven of their last 10. Um, they haven't had a three-game winning streak all season. Mm. And they've had four losing streaks of, no, five losing streaks, pardon me, of four games or longer, including a stretch from right before Halloween until just after Christmas where they went 7-18-2, and two, seven wins in 27 games. They were at their worst about halfway through the season. Again, they're not good now. They've lost seven of their last 10, but we saw them hang four goals on the Pens before the Penguins finally woke up uh, in their last visit to PPG Paints Arena. This one will be in Columbus on Thursday night. Uh, again, it's the bottom of the barrel it's the easiest schedule left between the Islanders, the Panthers and the Penguins, those three teams trying to scratch fight, claw their way into the final two Eastern conference playoff spots. But you have to, that has to be the caveat, right? The caveat always is. Yeah. But this is the team that lost to, like I I mentioned to Eric earlier, Vancouver way back in October, five to one when they shouldn't have, this is the team that just in the last month or so has lost to Montreal and Ottawa at home. Had to come back from 4 nothing down at home to Columbus. Blew a, a comeback against Detroit after going down 3 nothing, coming back and evening it up at three apiece. Again, the Smith melts down, David Perron, hat trick, pizza, pizza, all that. Um, so there's no guarantees is what I'm saying. Like they could, they should win these final three games and that should be enough given what Florida has in front of them in their final three games. Uh, a trip to Washington, and then Toronto and Carolina should be enough for the Pens to get in. And then they still technically do need help at, at that point. We'll see how it goes. Again, uh, thanks to Max Boltman of The Athletic. Thanks to Tango for uh, jumping back in. Uh, hope to get Scott Burnside next week. We know we're going to get Derek Schooley as well. Uh, and we'll... Get ready, hopefully, for a playoff run at this time next week. Hopefully, we're talking about a wild card team in the Eastern Conference and the Pittsburgh Penguins, even if it's a, a giant uphill battle against the Boston Bruins, or maybe, fingers crossed, knock on wood, we're talking about somehow a series against the Carolina Hurricanes. Don't know yet, but hopefully we're talking about the playoffs somehow a week from now. A few more episodes between now and then. Make sure you've tapped follow in your Odyssey app up in the upper right-hand corner to be notified of new episodes as soon as they're available. If you're on YouTube watching this, I just wave to you. Uh, and be sure to click the little bell there to be alerted every time there's a new video posted to the 93.7 The Fan account, including these episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. If it's not through the Odyssey app, if it's not on YouTube, just be sure to subscribe, leave a like, 
Uh, maybe leave a review. A positive one would be extra nice uh, if you enjoy the way things are going here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. And we'll talk to you again next week.